whatever challenges you're going through, I think waking up every day is like winning the lottery. I could offer you, you know, $100 million, Brandon, but you don't get to wake up tomorrow. Would you take it? No. And even if you're struggling financially, you wouldn't take it because you know that just another day of life is worth more than any amount of money. So when you start to really realize that and embody it and wake up with your eyes open, like, dude, my lungs are breathing, my heart is beating, life is freaking good. I get to go out in the world and make love every day. Like, what more could you ask for? Welcome to A Better Life with Brandon Turner. That is me, where world-class guests share their wisdom on building a better life. Join me as we explore the habits, the actions, and the beliefs that have guided their journey with the aim of helping you apply those lessons to your own. We set So first question I have for you, I ask this to everybody on the show, and that is, well, not really a question. I guess it's more of a comment. We donate all the proceeds from every episode of whatever advertising revenue we get. We donate that toward a charity of the guest choosing. So charity of your choosing, and why was it important to you? Lust Garden Foundation. Lust? Lust. L-U-S-T. Lust. Garden. Garden. Foundation. Okay. I actually did a charity class I taught about a year ago to raise money for this. And they focus on research and patient support for pancreatic cancer specifically. And I like their model because they're funding research that I think is not solely driven by pharmaceutical interests, which is a lot of the oncology world because it costs so much money to develop studies and drugs that you need to have something you could patent and something that's actually going to make them money back. And I also like that they give a lot of their proceeds just for patient support. So to supply people with money to buy organic food and to maybe hire an alternative health practitioner or a trainer or a nutritionist or someone just that can help support them, a mindset coach. There's so many aspects as you're going through this journey that are very costly, even just buying higher quality food and being more mindful about what you're putting into your body. And so I like that they also have a component that's not just solely towards research, but it's like, okay, let's help patients in the near term as we're working towards the bigger picture of finding really good avenues to treat this, but that takes obviously years and years. Yeah. Does pancreatic cancer have a specific meaning in your life or you just like use like the organization or do you have a history with that or somebody you did? Yeah. One of the reasons I got into holistic health was in 2008, my mom got diagnosed with cancer and I didn't really know the extent of, of what that meant. Oh yeah. So, you know, I was pretty young. I was like, man, this is kind of just bad luck, I guess. But dude, I remember like yesterday, her oncologist telling her like, what you eat doesn't matter. No vitamins or herbs are going to help you. Lifestyle stuff doesn't really make a difference. It's just kind of genetic and, and bad luck. And you have really three avenues. You have chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery. And you just go through those and hope for the best. So she did surgery. She did chemotherapy. And unfortunately, she passed in 2010, two years later, in large part due to the misinformation she received, not just with the treatment options, but the misinformation she received for like decades leading up to this point with government, food guide pyramids, with horrible advice given to the general public, her, herself included, who was just trying to do her best, you know, replacing butter with margarine and doing all these things that now we look back on and are just like, I can't believe we told people to do this, let alone all these people followed this advice and dis- rates of chronic disease just skyrocketed. And so it really was a catalyst in my life of really evaluating. I was a young dude. I was just like, you don't have your health not much else really matters. Like when my mom was in the later stages of this journey, she didn't care about finances or career or 
any number of day-to-day things that people occupy their their bandwidth with. She was just like trying to survive and spend time with her loved ones. And that was all that really was brought to the forefront. So as I was kind of looking at this, I was like, well, okay, first of all, I don't want to have my life cut short. I love life and I want to live a long, healthy life. And then second, you know, I also looked at like the quality of life aspect and just how you can really maximize how you feel every day. And so that kind of took me through down this path of health and wellness and wanting to pursue it and really brought a large sense of, of mission and purpose to my life. And I started in more of the fitness, physical therapy space, study kinesiology. And then I realized real quick, working in PT clinics, the movement component of health is amazing and very important, but it's just one component. And if you're not dialing in your nutrition and your sleep and your stress management and your environments and replenishing nutrient deficiencies and taking a more like holistic lens to all these other pillars, all these other aspects to your well-being, the physical stuff is only going to take you so far. And so that's when I went back to school, studied naturopathic medicine in post-grad school. And that kind of takes us to where we are today, where I run a full-time practice, consult with awesome patients like Ryan here, and help them really dial in the kind of A to Z, all these different aspects of their daily habits and choices and inputs, and really design these protocols to help them feel and perform their best. Man, what an introduction. I didn't even have to ask any questions to just get a perfect answer to that question that I was about to ask. So we'll just jump right from that into this week's show sponsor. Hey, yo, it's Brandon. This is that ad spot we mentioned earlier. Like you heard, 100% of this week's ad revenue is going toward a charity of the guest choosing. So here's that ad spot. By listening, you're making a real financial impact on the world. Today's sponsor is the Real Estate Investing Summit in Maui. Yeah, that's actually the conference I'm throwing here in Hawaii. It's going to be a two-day in-person event at the Grand Hyatt in Kanapali, Hawaii on Maui, May 22nd and 23rd, 2023. This is a dual track event, which means we're going to have Two tracks at one time, one for new investors, one for experienced investors, and you can pick whatever one you want to go to. We got speakers lined up like David Green, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, Jay Papazan, investor and author of The One Thing, uh, Wendy Papazan, Tarl Yarber, AJ Osborne, Rich and Kathy Fetke, Brian Burke, and me, of course, and a whole lot more. And while this event is part of the accountability mastermind I run called The Better Life Tribe, we're actually opening up the few remaining tickets for the general population right now. So yeah, that actually means you can come if you hurry and uh, get your tickets. And you should, if you wanna lean into investing in real estate to fund your future, you'll network with speakers and attendees, you'll get a ton of knowledge and wisdom about strategies and tactics that are working now, and you'll make some great friends at the same time. Now look, we only have 300 total spots for the event. This is not one of those huge two, 3,000 person conferences where you get lost in the crowd. This is intimate, powerful, and life-changing. But because it's small, it's also gonna sell out quick. So for more information, if you wanna come, I'd love to have you. Go to reimaui.com. Again, that is reimaui.com. I wanna get into Ryan Murdoch here, why you're here, besides the fact that I can't get you off my property. Ryan. Yeah, What's I have story, not left your property in years, but it has <laughs> been quite some time since I've been here in the sea shed. So yeah, thanks for having me back. I love what you've done with the place. Some derelicts hanging out around <laughs> out front. I know there's a homeless population yeah. uh, explosion here on the island. So you got a couple, <laughs> I think you got a couple out front, but they were friendly. Anyway, what was the question? Uh, what's your story, man? Why are you here? I am here because, well, first of all, Ryan came out this week. Let me, let me back up. So I'm 45 years old, right? And I have been up and down on fitness trends since my late teens, early 20s on, off, relatively healthy, exercising, working out to like falling off that wagon and just being eating, drinking, 
terrible stuff, just being lazy. And, you know, just this real cyclical thing that I think a lot of people could probably relate to. And it was really kind of brought to a head last year, dealing with some minor back issues and knee issues and just general old man stuff. So like, as if I didn't have enough excuses already to be unhealthy and not exercise and not eat right, I just really fell into this funk of doing all that bad stuff. And uh, it was really going to your conference in Coeur d'Alene, the, the couples retreat. That's ding, ding, right. Ding mm. plug for that. Uh, no, it really was. Just sitting around that table talking with those, with those amazing people. I uh, have my wife there that we really just came to the realization that we got to make some changes. Really got to do something about our health. And I had tried to do something early last year. I was kind of looking for something along the lines of what Ryan does. And I had signed up with this woman who came as a referral and it just immediately didn't work. Like within my first five minutes of talking to her, it was just way too like, woo-woo crystals. I think she was probably upset because neither of us were wearing a COVID mask on a Zoom call, like that whole kind of vibe. (laughs) And I'm just like, this is, this is not going to be sustainable for me. Like she seemed like a really nice person, but Mm. I'm like, this is not it. And then uh, I was on a flight somewhere and just stumbled across Jamie Gruber's podcast with Ryan as a guest and listened to the whole thing and was like, man, this is my guy. Like I just connected with everything he said about getting healthy, but it's not like this weirdo stuff. Just very direct. Here's what you need to do. Here's what happens if you don't do this. Like just, this is what you got to do if you want to get healthy. So I, I dug around, talked to a lot of his clients, couldn't find any dirt on him at all. Just glowing recommendations and, and signed up with him right after the Coeur d'Alene event. So I've been on the program now, what, just about three months, uh, not even three months. Yeah, we started at the very beginning of this year. So yeah. going on two and a half months. Yeah. And uh, I mean, already, and I don't want to come off with too much of an ego because I know I'm, I'm just really new into this thing. So check back with me in a year or so and see how I'm doing. But just the, the changes, uh, not only for me, but my wife, Pinky, signed up as well. And we've been going through the program together. And both of us, I mean, just pretty remarkable results, I think, in the short time that we've been on the program. So eating better, he's got me on a, get us both on a very sustainable workout programs, working around my, my injuries and things that are bothering me. I mean, just the amount of energy I've had, just the overall, the weight I've lost, just the tone. Uh, you look good. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're just, just getting started. So I'm fully uh, charged. <laughs> glad you're on that side of the table. All right. Hold me back. Yeah. 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 No, so it's just been great. So yeah, Ryan uh, just happened to be on Maui this week. So uh, we did a little paddle boarding. We did some, did some hiking today and, and uh, here we are. So. All right, man. Well, very cool. Well, thank you for joining me as kind of a co-host today. So let's get back to well, you're both Ryan's. We'll go Ryan one and Ryan two. Y'all in the audience are going to figure out which one's one and two. But Ryan Kennedy, that's your last name, right? That's right. Butcher that. Any relation to the Kennedys? The no relation. Okay. Not that I'm aware of, at least. Yeah, somewhere way back there, yeah, maybe. Maybe. All right. So this is a question. I like to start, <laughs> we're in this show now, what, 20 minutes? But let's kind of start with this idea of what are some things, specific things in the last year that you've implemented into your life that's given you a better life? I mean, I could pick your brain on fitness. We'll get into that, I'm sure, more. Sure. Uh, you know the answers to a lot of good stuff. But personally in your life, what have you done in the last year that's actually improved your life? Yeah. So that's a tough question because I've been doing a lot of the things that I think are big needle movers in my life and I've seen really be effective for a lot longer than a year. Sure. One thing that comes to mind that I've shifted more recently in a more specific way is really this mindset when I wake up. And I think this applies to like pretty much everyone out there where we wake up in this state of reactivity. And first thing when we wake up is like, we feel like, man, we're dreading the day. We don't want to get out of bed. You know, we're comfortable and we don't want to face the day and all of these challenges. And we think about our problems and our to-do lists and all of our obligations. And, you know, we just kind of start in that state of mind of just like, I don't really want to do all this. And I've been practicing different levels of gratitude and journaling and all these things for years. But what I've really started doing immediately upon waking up when my eyes open 
is I really embody this concept of what a precious privilege it is to just be blessed with another day, dude. And I really like to look at it in this frame of whatever challenges you're going through. I think waking up every day is like winning the lottery. I could offer you, you know, a hundred million dollars, Brandon, but you don't get to wake up tomorrow. Would you take it? No. And would you take it? Definitely not. And even if you're struggling financially, you wouldn't take it because you know that just another day of life is worth more than any amount of money. So when you start to really realize that and embody it and wake up with your eyes open, like, dude, my lungs are breathing. My heart is beating. Life is freaking good. I get to go out in the world and make love every day. Like, what more could you ask for? And so that really just completely shifts the trajectory of the whole rest of your day because then everything else that comes up, you really can see from a different lens and you could really see it. And just having that like first moment of the day, I think is such a powerful moment of how the rest of our day is going to go and what mindset and attitude we're going to adopt as we tackle different challenges and overcome different things and work through different opportunities. And that's been something that I've been specifically doing that has just been, I've always been kind of a happy-go-lucky guy, even when things aren't going as well. Cause I'm just like, dude, there's so many people that have a million times worse problems than I have, but this is really like taking that up a level where I'm yeah. like stoked on life, dude. That's cool. Yeah. So that's been one that's been great. Another one that I've adopted more recently that I think has also been a, a pretty powerful shift in a lot of this is really embracing the journey. It's so cliche, but so many of us get focused on the destination. Like I got to hit this milestone. I got to hit this thing. And I've really reverse engineered that and just been like, okay, what does my perfect day look like? And let me just map that out and live that way now. And I'm fortunate that my schedule and my business and what I do and my investments allow me to have more flexibility than maybe your average person working a nine to five. But it's really changed the fact that I'm not really that hell bent on achieving this outcome or this, this milestone or this achievement financially, whatever it is in business and health and your relationships. It's more so like, how can I just love every day? And that's been a big shift for me too. Cause I, for a long time, I was just focused on like, I got to hit this number and got to achieve this financial freedom. And as I've kind of like checked different things off the list, I'm like, yeah, this doesn't, this is not ending anytime soon. Just with my mindset. And I think most people can agree with that. And then, uh, let me, let me jump in there. Yeah. yeah. I, I did a video I put it on social media the other day, but I was cleaning my pool and I was cleaning the pool thinking about this. And then I had Alex, I'm like, Hey, record this. Or maybe he was like, I'm going to record it. But it was this idea of like, I was cleaning the pool and as I go from one side to the other, all these leaves on top of it, I got to the end and like, I got done and I look back and there's a bunch more leaves in the pool. You know, my pool, Ryan, right? But like, it's just, there's always crap falling in my pool because there's these giant trees that, that overshadow it or whatever. So I'm like getting frustrated because I go back and I get more, I clean more of it and I finally get done. I look back and the other side of the pool now is covered with leaves. I'm getting really irritated. Like, oh, I just cannot get like the wind will not stop blowing. And then finally, like, I just kind of came to the realization. I'm like, what if I just enjoyed the process of cleaning the pool, knowing that it will never be empty? Like, it's okay. So it's that idea of like, just what if I enjoyed cleaning the pool for the simple sake of cleaning the pool? And when, when you shift your mindset to that all areas of your life, like what if, because I, I have a tendency, I'm, I'm guessing you guys too, do too, or at least like as achievers, it's like, we just like have some goal, we go towards it, and then we just want to check it off. And then you're like, all right, well, next goal. And uh, yeah, you can go through your entire life that way and look back and be like, I just never like, I never enjoyed it. It was just checking boxes. And any, anything that pops up in the way is, is you're angry or yeah. distract. It's a distraction, right? Whereas if you learn to embrace that and be like, oh, okay, I can go clean the pool. That's a five minute break from whatever I was doing and, uh, you know, listen to some tunes. And yeah, if you just look at it a little differently. Yeah. And just reminding yourself, like right now in this moment, like these are the good old days mm -hmm. that you're going to look back on when you're 60, 70, 80 years old and be like, man, I had it good. Like my joints didn't ache. 
I was oh, like having yeah. an amazing time every day and I was, I was young and healthy and you know, there's going to be a time when like this exact thing you're going through, you look back on so fondly and wish do anything to get back there mm -hmm. and reverse time. And so I like that kind of mindset because that just does apply to literally everything else that we do. And then one third one that I have started doing the last year is more of a, a learning hack. So I like audiobooks yeah. because I can listen to an audiobook while I'm out on my paddleboard, while I'm out mountain biking, while I'm doing stuff around the house. But I find like, depending on the material, sometimes my mind drifts. And I like physical books, but I have a similar problem where I just kind of get a little restless sometimes. And But I like physical books because then you can write stuff down and circle things. Sure. And so what I've been doing, especially on flights, but for any book I'm like really absorbing, really like into, I'm really wanting to take a lot out of it. I'll listen to the audiobook while I read the physical book, which I don't think is any revolutionary tip for people. But for me, it was like, yeah, of course. Like, yeah. uh, why not? And that has increased my comprehension and engagement with mm -hmm. the material like 10x, dude. Yeah. It's unbelievable the difference just because I have heard that too. a mind that just tends to like wander as I'm reading something or listening to something, especially like an audiobook. And so I've been doing that. And on flights, it's the biggest hack. Cause you don't have like a screaming kid behind you. That's like distracting you. You don't have all these other noises. You're just listening and reading and you're taking notes and I have my journal and it's dude, it's been great. That's amazing. Yeah. So I've been digging that. You tried that, Ryan? No, but I want to, cause I suffer from that same thing. I'll yeah, start reading too. a paper book and then just my mind will wander yep. off or whatever. So yeah, to back that up with the audio book at the same time. Well, how much of that do you think is, cause like I have the same problem. I mean, I used to be able to read for four hours straight. Same. So how much of that is due to social media? Like our brains just changing. I think that's in large part due to social media and a number of other things that just hijack our dopamine. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of other factors too. It's like, depends on your nutrition and your sleep and a bunch of other factors that are helping with your brain chemistry. So I think that there's multi, there's not just one thing. You can't just blame it on social media, even though sure. that's a big culprit. I think there's dozens and dozens of reasons that people have shorter attention spans and why, in my opinion, everyone has ADD. It's more of a spectrum. I think humans in general just don't have an easy time and it just manifests as more severe degrees in certain people and lesser degrees in other people, but it's not like a black and white thing. Like you have this attention deficit disorder or you don't. I think we all have it. It's mm. called the human mind. Yeah. Some people are able to combat it and overcome in certain instances like conventional school system, but I don't think it's a, the diagnosis black or white thing people have made it out to be. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I definitely find... I mean, yeah, it's all that stuff, right? When I don't sleep well, I can't read as well. When I don't, you know, whatever. But I definitely notice the social media when on days where I use it more, like in that period of time, like there'll be phases of my life where for a month or two, I'll just be on TikTok. TikTok's the worst, I think. Yeah, more, I think it's right? just phones yeah. in general, right? Because there's general, so much information, yes. whether it's social media or the internet or emails or whatever, like you're just jumping around all over the place all the time because you can. And then when you go back to an old fashioned book, I used to be able to read a ton yeah. in a book. And now I just, I struggle with it because of, because of that yeah. reason. I think. And Netflix and all other sorts yeah. of inter, you know, yeah, everything's quick. different in, you know, forms of entertainment that have changed the game for people. Yeah. And you, do you have kids? Not yet. All right. So I got, you know, I got young kids, right. And they're watching, they watch YouTube more than I would like them to. Right. But it's just, it, they watch their YouTube kids app. Uh, and I'm getting judged by a lot of people right now. <laughs> you let your kids watch YouTube, but it's a problem, right? I try to limit it, but here's the point is watching some of the videos that they watch. Like they are being trained at two years old, three years old to need that quick movement. Like the way that like, I mean, one of the most popular series like on YouTube kids, these like little kids and their parents do like some play acting, whatever, like whatever the store, but the kids continually have to be, first of all, the camera changes every second or faster, right? The camera never stays on any scene for more than a second. And then every scene has to be moving. So you, the kid can't talk like, 
hey, mom, I want to go to the store. That's to go, hey, mom, I want to go to the store. And they push their hands back and forth for no reason other than because kids need that like movement up and down the bright co- all the shirts have to be bright colors it's all very calculated it's all by so somebody. calculated yeah. and there's a reason that those videos have like hundreds of billions of views like i mean just ridiculous numbers because my kids will watch them on repeat and i'm like what are we doing to our kids we think it's bad for us right now we're like oh tiktok it's nothing compared to what youtube what kids are kids. doing to kids yeah, yeah. totally so i keep getting these like i'm not gonna let my kids watch anything and it's like you know a week goes by and they're like freaking out and i, I just need time to jump on a call and i'm like all right just watch something for now and then all of a sudden we're off that bandwagon. I'm but, talking just like this the yeah. rest of the show, just, <laughs> yeah. just to boost ratings. Yeah, okay? yeah, I gotta show you one of those videos later. They're just like, yeah, hey, yeah, Jamie, pull it up. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's Terrible. interesting though because I have a different philosophy than most on social media in that like it gets villainized a lot, mm-hmm. but it's just a tool and people are misusing the tool. Sure, like there are a few things that I can think of that are that as like entertaining per minute of viewership than TikTok and Instagram. Like there's a reason people are addicted to it. There's yeah. a reason people use it. It's freaking awesome. It's awesome. Like it's, it's hilarious. You can yep. have a, a very high degree of entertainment, but yep. when you abuse it and you just get reckless and you're spending hours and hours a day and yeah. to your point, like your kids are overusing it yep. and doing mind, watching mindless shit or yeah. watching stuff that you just compare people to yourself and yep. then you get down. Like, yeah, that's, that's the misuse of yeah. social media. But the beautiful thing is you can share information to millions mm-hmm. in seconds. You can absorb really useful information in a very efficient way. Like you don't have to read a five-hour book. I'm yeah. sure there's a TikTok distilling all the main principles sure. in a 60-second video that you'd get a lot of the same takeaways. I think that's freaking awesome. And they could have chat GPT do the same, yeah. GPT do the same thing. Like summarize yeah. this book. And, exactly. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of use cases where I'm like, social media is pretty, pretty rad. Yeah. And it's coming from someone that, tries to stay off social media and yeah. I have a separate phone that I don't use anymore that has my social media app. Oh, so nice. I can't yeah. use it on my normal phone. Oh, really? Yeah. That's another thing that I found super that's helpful. Cause app, then it's yeah. just not, there's the temptation isn't there and you have to be a lot more intentional about using it. Cause yep. you're like, well, I got to go get this other phone and it only works if I have Wi-Fi yep. because there's no SIM card in there. So it just makes it a little bit, I call it my media phone. Cause I yeah. use it to like post and to do stuff and then I'll end up scrolling. Like I'm human. I'm yeah. not perfect with this stuff. But and you just, should, and it's fun. Like you said, it's, enter, exactly. it's, it's actually entertaining. I'd rather do that than watch a movie. Times where I will scroll for 20 or 30 minutes. Yep. I don't regret it at all. Yeah. I had a wonderful time. Yep. I learned a lot. I saw some cool shit I would have never otherwise seen. Yep. I watched like these adventure sport videos of these guys doing this crazy stuff. I'm just yeah. like blown away and in yeah. awe and inspired by. It can be really educational as well. And I think that's gets missed in the conversation of like, rather than just say social media sucks, don't let yep. people use it, avoid it. It's kind of like this whole sex ed conversation, like just don't have sex. Yeah. <laughs> just don't have sex. Then that's the the answer. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, is that the answer? Yeah. Same with social media. Like rather than just telling people how bad it is sure. for them, like why don't we create ways of teaching kids and teaching humans in general how to use it rather than abuse it? And I think there would be a lot of good outcomes yeah. from that. Yeah. I think we're going to see a movement happen in the coming years where the internet's all new, right? Like this is all new the last 20 years, everything. Social media is the last 10 years, right? Or really like, we don't know how to deal with it yet. I think we're going to see a move. We're going to see a pushback, I think, of like kind of the Luddite idea of like no technology whatsoever. And hopefully over time we find a balance. What's fascinating to me is how similar the way that we talk about social media sometimes now and the way it affects our brains, the same way people talk about alcohol or food, people who start with food addiction, talk about food, the same way we talk about alcohol. I've noticed he's like, it just makes me feel happy for a while. Or I just need to like, I need to zone out for a little while. That's what people say with beer. Like, I need to zone up for a while, so I'm going to drink. I need to zone up for a while, I'm just going to go eat. I need to zone up for a while, I'm going to go. Uh, so it clearly tells, like, alcohol, I mean, I don't know your opinion on alcohol, but alcohol is probably not the worst thing in the world. 
it has some benefits to it. Like people enjoy it, gives a good time, whatever people, you know, some people would argue that it makes you live longer and then other people argue you don't. We can yeah, get into yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, people abuse it. And so we've learned as humans a little bit on how to deal with it. We have some rules in place, both like socially, like it's not cool to be walking around drunk. Yeah. It's not cool to drink before noon. <laughs> like those, we have these kind of social rules and we also have laws around it. Yeah, I expect a lot of that coming in the future, I, I think. We got to figure something out. Yeah, humans are just bad with balance, man. They're really bad, Like right? it's We're not designed mm. for balance. We're designed for more, more, more. I like this. I'm going to overdo it until I abuse it, and then it becomes a detriment to yeah. me. Like, that's just what humans do. It's, <laughs> it's the nature of our brains, bro. Yeah. So I don't have the, all the answers. I'm not sure if there's a question there, but mm. alcohol in general, like... It, yeah, let's hear your take on it. Yeah, yeah. To your point, anything that enables you to connect more deeply with other humans, form more community, relax, take the edge off can be beneficial in some regards. At the end of the day, you got to realize like alcohol is poison. Most studies and most like philosophies, like a small amount is actually healthy for you is not really based on the alcohol. So you would be better off finding ways to connect with community that wasn't alcohol. Maybe it's breath work. Maybe it's you guys jump in the sauna together and maybe you guys do a workout together that still enables you to have those types of tight bonding experiences. And that's one of the things I love about alcohol, dude. I like a drink just as much as the next guy. I don't drink very often because the kind of benefit cost ratio is not quite there for me. But at the same time, I love that you can have six drinks with someone and be best friends overnight (laughs) and have these conversations that like, dude, you wouldn't normally have in day-to-day life. So I I like it, some aspects of it. I don't like obviously the impact to your gut microbiome, your brain health, your overall biology. I mean, it's just straight poison. Like you can't get around that fact. Sure. It's poison that makes you feel really good. And if yeah. used appropriately, you can have a great time and enhance your experience, but it's still poison. Yeah. So I really enjoy this new push of all these alcohol alternatives that yeah. are coming to the market. And one of my favorites is like breathwork, sauna, cold plunge, yeah. because that can elicit that same bonding experience that we're talking about. Of You spend one day with a group of people and you guys are like homies, yeah. like really tight. And... That is because it's eliciting this change in your brain chemistry. It's enhancing your dopamine, your serotonin, your oxytocin. It's really helping to create that bonding experience, but it's also very healthy for you. So I I love that and that that's becoming more mainstream and more popular. And I've had people over to my wellness sanctuary back in San Diego, not an actual facility for people (laughs) listening. It's just my house. (laughs) And, you know, we'll do that. And I'll have people come over and we'll work out. We'll jump in the sauna, do a cold dip, jump back in the sauna. We'll do some breath work. And you just feel so high on your own supply that you have these amazing deep conversations. You talk about stuff that like normal day-to-day you would not talk about. You wouldn't have like your ego and your borders are up. So you just don't, this just helps bring that stuff down like alcohol in some respects. And so I love that. And then there are some other like, you know, supplement things you can take, different herbs and plant medicines that have been used for a long time that I think are really awesome alternatives to alcohol. One being kava kava. Kava is a root that's indigenous to the, primarily indigenous, like the Fijian islands. And it's this root that for thousands of years, these, these cultures in this part of the world, they grew kava, it's a root, they would make it into like this kind of tea type thing. It tastes like pretty much like dirt water, but it has this GABA type effect that just is like this incredible kind of relaxing, yet social lubricants, yet kind of uplifting and endorphin type effect. And One of the interesting things about the traditional use of kava is back in the day when these tribes would go to war, to battle, before they started battle, 
it was customary they had to enjoy kava together because mm. more often than not the kava would loosen them up and they'd be like actually you're yeah. not that bad of a yeah, dude I don't like, kill you. maybe we shouldn't fight like uh, violence yeah. that doesn't sound good like let's just chill and it prevented a lot of death and a lot of like destruction and now it's being used in more of like the health circles i run in as like this alcohol alternative you could take and just like take the edge off at the end of a long day and like having a conversation like this if i gave you guys some kava we'd be having an yeah. even better time yeah and I actually have some some kratom in my bag, which is another one of these herbs that uh, I'm a huge fan of. So more things are coming to the market because people are realizing, like, I think alcohol will become somewhat synonymous like we see smoking, where it's just not that cool anymore. Yeah. And it's not like what it was for older generations where it's like, yeah, it's just the norm. It's a cool thing to do. I think it's going to be like, yeah, some people still do it. Some people will always smoke. Some people will always smoke cigarettes, but it's not socially rewarded. And I think alcohol is trending that direction. Yeah, it does seem to be that way. There's more and more people that are broadcasting like sobriety. Yeah, because I mean, I, I think everybody on earth would, I mean, most everyone would agree. This is really not good. Like for society, it's not good for your health. Like most people would agree that we do it in spite of, you know, the health benefits. Like it's like, oh yeah, I know it's not good, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so as soon as there are better alternatives. So what's, what's your opinion on, there? there's a, early but growing trend of like the marijuana drinks like things like that like does that take the place of this in your mind because it's more healthy not really like where, where does that fall in your in my mind it's definitely less damaging than alcohol mm -hmm. but it doesn't take the place of alcohol because it doesn't elicit the same response okay i don't know about you guys i love a low dose thc if i'm gonna go on like a hike or go for a paddle do something out in nature i love to take like a three or a five milligram edible yeah. fantastic totally like uplifts me enhances the experience. I do not want that if I'm going to go socialize with people. I become like ultra introverted. Mm. I have trouble using my words. Like as I'm not as verbally fluent. Yeah. I'm not as outgoing. I'm not as energetic. It's not as uplifting for the social context that most people drink for me. And I know sense, everyone's yeah. different, but I think most people would agree. Like you don't want to get super stoned and then go network and talk to people and yeah. like hang out at a party. And unless they're like super close to you, you probably aren't going to be as open with your conversations. You're going to be more yeah. self-conscious. You're going to be more in your own head. And so I think there's a lot of other benefits to cannabis and other uses and other aspects that I think are good. And yes, I think it's way less harmful biologically and otherwise yeah. than alcohol, but I don't think it's going to replace alcohol. Yeah. I think yeah. people are just going to use it what they like to get high for, yeah. you know, like you like to get, and some people can be totally functional stoners yeah. and get super baked and disregard everything I just said and go be like the life of the party. Yeah. I'm not one of those guys. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but. Nope. Yeah, no, I've never, I never done THC at all. Like, oh, okay. Not even a bit. So like, I don't even know. I mean, I've, I drink alcohol, but I don't, yeah, I don't know how it'd be, but I, that makes perfect sense. I've always wondered, cause like, as I think most people are, would agree that uh, like marijuana will be legalized in the next few years, probably. It kind we, of already is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, kind of is most yeah. places, right? But yeah. it's, it's definitely trending more and more both legally and socially acceptable. So yep. I, yep. I, I just wonder what does that impact do and maybe it's not, maybe it's a third category. It's not replacing alcohol. Like it'd be nice if it did, right? Like it, it would be. Same that would have a lot less yeah. damage to everything. One thing evolved. to circle back on, there's kava bars here in Maui. I actually saw one near where I'm staying yeah. up in Lahaina. We should go to a kava bar and uh, have some kava. You guys would dig it. Is that what Zasha's husband brought to? Were you there for that event we had? We had an event out in Maui, uh, a Kiavi Outdoor event. Yeah, I don't think so. Don't okay, think yeah, Zasha's husband came. Spiked he, the punch bowl, did he? Or nobody what? brought like this bowl. That like, he, cause he's like a Hawaiian, like, yeah. you know, like dude. And he, like, he brought this bowl and we all like 
shared some i'm pretty sure yeah. it was cobbler. I think it, it sounds it like it you usually serve it yeah. in like a wood bowl yes that's what it was and then there's yeah. like a cheesecloth type thing and you put the cob yep. in there and you like knit it yep, and, or like exactly. kind of like mash it up in there and it creates this like kind of milky looking water yep. and then you serve it up and if you drink a small amount you usually don't feel very much it's very dose dependent yeah. like most things you drink like a couple cups you just feel loose you feel good you feel uplifted mm. and if you drink a load of it you can get fucked up really I mean, not, it's like it's like alcohol or no, more like weed or more. No. It's its own thing. It's kind of its own thing, dude. I'm never actually drinking enough to feel yeah, bad. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, let's go tonight. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> let's find out. But yeah, I think that that's a good movement of just like people seeking out other ways to bond and other ways to take the edge off and other ways to kind of yeah. get outside of your normal day-to-day state of mind. Mm. I think that's... Just an escape. I yeah. mean, people looking for an escape, right? However yeah. they can get it. But I mean, I think you're right. A lot of people are. But there's a lot of people like myself and probably yeah. you brandon probably you too they're like i'm not trying to escape my life but if we had a few a few seltzers right now yeah. like i'd feel great and we would enhance our conversation and we we'd just have a good time oh yeah i'm way funnier when i have yeah, some yeah. Uh, I whiskey in me yeah it's, it's, it's way better <laughs> um yeah that's funny okay so the weed thing it takes the place of alcohol or not it probably won't mm-hmm. but what well, i'm curious to, to move into this conversation of there are people who say like alcohol is terrible you should not drink it other people who think that it is some people say weed's terrible and you should never touch it other people and they all have studies that back it up and then we shift to food right and there are people who say i mean there are like i've got that book in there how not to die right and then how not to diet phenomenal book well written full of psycho like science and all that and basically proves that any meat will kill you and you're basically committing suicide by eating meat and then there's the carnivore diet and they say the exact same thing, and they have studies to back up why eating any vegetable at all, especially kale, is going to kill you, right? Those are complete opposites, and we have science that prove both. How, how do we make sense as a, somebody who's trying to just live the best life possible? How do we make sense of all the conflicting science around food and diet and drink and everything? It's unreasonably complicated. Yes. You're absolutely right. For the average person, whatever specific diet you choose, for the average person, they know what to do. You know what to do. Most people know what to do and that you might not know exactly like how much meat should I have? What should my macros look like? All the the minutia. Mm. But everyone knows you shouldn't go eat fast food. You shouldn't be binging on ice cream late at night. You shouldn't be downing Oreos and eating a bunch of crap, right? Like most people know that. But if people just stopped doing that, it would solve almost, I would say 95% plus of like people's nutrition problems. Yeah. It's just stop eating dog shit food. Yeah. Like the ultra processed, the Franken foods that don't even resemble anything close to what grows and lives on this planet. That's where people need to start. Now for people that I've already started there and you're like, all right, Ryan, I'm eating a whole foods diet. Like I'm not buying a bunch of this junk food. I'm not eating out at these terrible restaurant establishments. Like I'm cooking my own stuff and I'm eating some plants and I'm eating some animal products, but like I'm having some issues with this or that. Well, that's where, you know, it does become really challenging to see what is best technically because there's no perfect diet for everyone. We're all unique, dude. We all thrive on different stuff. I was telling Ryan here earlier how some of the stuff he's doing with his nutrition, he was like, hey man, what do you think? Like I've been doing this the last week or so and feeling good, but like, is this a problem? And there are different genetic SNPs and different genotypes that make it so maybe some people thrive on like a high fat keto type diet with lots of butter and lots of bacon and lots of fat. Other people, that's going to massively drive up their lipids and make their lipid profile look like trash and could increase their risk of a lot of issues around heart disease. There's some people that thrive on a very carnivorous diet, like tons of meat. Other people 
aren't able to break down that meat very well because of the digestive issues. You need a lot of stomach acid to break down red meat. So it's very nuanced, but from a fundamental perspective, I genuinely believe we're all omnivores. I've worked with a lot of people that were vegans that came to me for help because their hair was falling out, yeah. their, their teeth were chipping, they had no energy, they had no sex drive, their skin was a mess. And I've helped restore their health by bringing in high quality animal products. Now, a lot of vegans can point to some celebrity vegan, yeah. you know, Rich Roll or whoever has been following a vegan diet for 35 years or 150 years, whatever. And they can say, no, 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 look at this dude, yep. he's doing it. And it's like, yeah, okay, he is. Cool. Does that mean you can do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and does that mean you're going to do it exactly how he does it and take whatever supplements you need to replenish nutrient deficiencies? The way I look at it from a fundamental perspective is we can't get all the nutrition we need from the plant kingdom. Certain essential vitamins, essential amino acids, and essential fatty acids, and just honestly minerals as well, you can't get appreciable amounts of them through a plant diet. Like you'll be functionally deficient in a lot of things. So taking the premise of eat whole foods, most of us are omnivorous, like eat some plants, eat some animals. What percentage of that depends on the person should give people enough of a fundamental understanding to not allow all the mixed opinions and battles going on between the vegans and the carnivores and all these different diet camps, throw them off. It's just like, dude, take action on what you know to be true, which is just to like eat a little better. And the other thing with your ultimate question of like, dude, why is all this research so conflicting? How can they have a study that shows this and a study that shows that? because nutrition is just one aspect of health. We don't know what the other things those people were doing in the studies. Yeah, you know, whether they were drinking or smoking, whether they were exercising, whether they had a terrible marriage or a phenomenal relationship, whether they had great kids or uh, terrible children that were causing all sorts of stress in their lives. And we don't know what their sleep looked like, which is undeniably more important than nutrition. It doesn't matter how perfect your diet is. If your sleep is a mess, your health will suffer mm. without a doubt. And if you're not sleeping well, making good nutrition choices becomes exponentially more difficult because you don't have the willpower. You don't have the energy. The bottom line is energy is the currency of life, dude. So if you don't have energy, good luck following an exercise program, yeah. making good food choices, being a good partner, being a good person, to your family and your friends. Dude, we need energy. And sleep is the foundation of that for sure. And even just one poor night of sleep will make your blood sugar levels look like that of a diabetic. Mm. I mean, it's crazy the impact it has on our insulin sensitivity. And so- Have you heard that study about the this might be a totally myth, but about the daylight savings time every year yeah. and the number of accidents that yeah. happened that day. They just stopped it in California. Oh, really? Which I'm pretty stoked Wait, you don't about. have daylight savings in California? Or? So they, they just stopped it. So we just changed the clocks, yep. you know, last week or whatever it was. Yeah. And it's going to stay like this. No way. Yeah. Just like Hawaii, because Hawaii we don't change. Yeah. But yeah, there's some but study. But they always yeah. used to change it. Yeah, every, they change it. Yeah. Because, and then like every year, the highest amount, of, it was like something like the highest amount of traffic deaths happened on the day yep. of that people got an hour less sleep. Well, there, there's right? a ton of, yeah. So that's not a myth. That's an absolute fact that there's a massive spike in number of fatalities. Yeah. Some are from, you know, vehicle accidents. Yeah. Some are from heart attacks. Yeah. Some are from all sorts of other things that just like people's sleep gets thrown off a little bit and bad shit happens. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That's the reason I moved to Hawaii. <laughs> Just for no. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. too hot in Arizona. I didn't like it there. So I had to come here. Yeah. That's funny. But the bigger, I think the bigger point, Brandon, is don't let all the conflicting research bother you. Again, whatever a study says, if you eat this way and you're looking better, you're feeling better, your biomarkers are looking better. Every objective and subjective measure yeah. is telling you like, bro, this is good for you. Don't let this study or that expert or this person or this social media person tell you otherwise. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, your body. You know what inputs make you feel good versus that don't. Yeah. And beyond subjective 
feelings, run some lab testing. Yeah. See what your biomarkers look like. Run some yeah. blood work. Blood. I want to dig in on that. Like, what does that mean? Okay. Because I know people do that. I have a lot of friends that do that. Ryan was talking about, he did it with yeah, you. I did it. Yep. Yeah. Right. Like, what does that do I just go to the hospital and be like, hey, I need some blood tests. Like, what do I, how does that work? Yeah, yeah. So no, what am I no, no, no trip to the hospital okay. necessary. You would want to either go to your primary care physician. Okay. And this is mostly if you're looking to get things run through insurance. Okay. And they're going to run a very basic blood work. So they're going to draw your blood out. They're going to look at essentially your complete blood count, your CBC, and a metabolic profile. So to look at like your kidney function, your liver function, your fasting blood sugar, and a few other things. Very basic. And what happens, unfortunately, is a lot of times people do that and they're like, listen, dude, I got headaches. I got no energy. I'm having all these problems. And the physician who means well in my, uh, in my philosophy, they do, they do mean well. They're just not trained in a lot of this stuff. They look at those bloods. They say, you're, you're fine. You're not dying. Your bloods are fine. And they send them away and they come back in a year. It might just all be in your head. So they don't provide a lot of help. The type of blood work I run with people, and if you wanted to do this, you would want to seek out either a functional medicine practitioner, a naturopath, clinical nutritionist, someone that actually does this yeah. as part of their work and, and their specialty. And you'd run a whole battery of, of blood work that goes above and beyond just like your basic, what's your total cholesterol and what's these very basic panels. Yeah. And that'll give you so much insight into your body. It'll tell you where your hormones are at. Do you have low testosterone? Maybe that's why you don't have much energy. Maybe that's why you're having trouble losing weight. Maybe that, I'm saying this for you specifically, yeah, yeah, but yeah. just in general, issues that a lot of people suffer from can be identified through running blood work. So looking at hormones, looking at a lot of other things like inflammatory markers, your uh, hemoglobin A1C that assesses your blood sugar stability, looking at other things that can be very insightful from a blood work perspective. So you have bloods that can be very helpful for people that help steer your recommendations. And then you have what I call kind of functional medicine testing. This is more advanced testing where you're looking at things that you can't really get through blood work. So I like one called an organic acids test. It assesses any microbiome imbalances. So kind of looking at your gut health. Is there too much yeast or fungus? Is there too much bacteria? Is there any pathogenic bacteria? It also measures your vitamin levels. It measures your amino acids. It measures your neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine. And looking at these critical brain chemicals that are responsible for things like anxiety and depression and a lot of mental challenges people suffer from and just poor quality of life. Yeah. So I like those. I like kind of, I'm, I'm a data guy, dude. Yeah. I'm like, the more data we have, the better. So if someone comes to me, you know, I'll talk with them and say like, here's what this test costs. Here's what this test costs. You decide what you want to run. This is the value we're going to get from this testing. And for someone like yourself, who's just like, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out where to start, how I'm doing, what I should change. If anything, maybe you're doing great. This would be a good, a good option for you. Cause I mean, even just a few hundred bucks would get you a really good blood panel in for less than a thousand dollars, probably seven to 800 bucks, you can run like a whole battery of testing. Now, I will say a lot of people inflate those numbers because there's, you know, markup and different things. But realistically speaking, you could run a lot of good blood work for not that much money. Yeah, you know, I was at a conference, I don't know, a year ago or so. And I heard somebody, I think David Sinclair, maybe like he's a Harvard yeah, longevity yeah. guy. And there's mm -hmm. a few others there, but I, I can't remember if it was David or somebody else, but they were talking about this idea of like, basically what you're saying there is that we can look at our body, like the numbers, the data, and it's like, hey, you're too low on this. So then eat more of this. That's right. Right. And you could, and I was, I'd never realized you could gamify your body and your health. Yeah. Right. And it blew my mind. And I'm like, so how far away are we from this? And maybe they have it today. I don't know. How far are we? I can have like a, a thing on my arm, right? That's always monitoring all of it. Yeah. And just hooked up to my phone. It's like, hey, it looks like today I want you to eat four more ounces of red meat because you're a little low here and here. Yep. Like it just always tells you what to do all the time. Is that coming? Is that here? 
That would be tough. That would be tough because, so we have things on the way there. Yeah. We have what's called continuous glucose monitors. Yep. Okay, it's in yeah. your arm all yeah, the time. It's telling you your yeah. blood sugar. But now a lot of biohackers and people in the health space are using them mm. to see like, hey, if I have rice, how does that impact my blood yeah. sugar? If I have potatoes, because pe- different people have a different glycemic response to different foods. And so a guy named Rob Wolf wrote about this in his book, how he took, you know, CGMs and he basically tracked blood sugar readings from two groups of people given a banana versus given a cookie. Most people would objectively say like, dude, the cookie's going to be way worse. It's like refined sugar, refined grains. It's a problem. It's dessert. The other one's like, oh, that's fruit. It's got yeah. fiber. Well, some people responded worse to the banana than, than they did the cookie. Same person, two different foods. And then other people, the opposite. So it's, that's where the CGM can give you more data in that so regard. you're saying we should eat cookies, not bananas. Yeah, that's exact. That's the best <laughs> takeaway you could have gotten from this analogy. <laughs> All right, guys, that was a great show. Today. Listening now, I'm going to get some cookies. Yeah, yeah, I got a whole bunch up there. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and then there's other devices, like I'm wearing this ring. It's called an aura ring. Mm, and there's yeah. the whoop, which yep. can quantify your sleep and your heart rate and your HRV and a number of different things that can give you really good insight to gamify your health, gamify yeah. your sleep. When I go to bed, how much deep sleep did I get? How much REM sleep did I get? How many wake-ups did I have? Really cool really cool devices. But to assess your nutrients in real time is more challenging because you have to look at what's intracellular levels versus just what's in the serum. One example of this is you could test your, let's say, uh, serum magnesium. And your body is going to keep your electrolytes relatively stable within your bloodstream for health because you could actually die if your electrolytes get too off balance. But you could be completely deficient in magnesium within your cells. And so you'd want to run what's called a magnesium RBC, what's in the red blood cell. You could take this same example with vitamin B12. You could take the same example for a lot of things of looking like what's in the blood versus what's inside your cell. It can be two different things. And with what you're describing, I think it would be hard with the technology we have available today to in real time assess your interest other levels. Yeah. I'm sure there's some correlations and some markers we could look at, but I think what you're describing is probably, I don't know. I would say like five to 10 years down the road, but it could come sooner. Yeah. But just that idea, even yeah. if we, even if we just do small bits of it, right? Like, Hey, like my blood sugar is messed up today. Like I, and there's certain foods that I just know I don't feel good. I know it's the blood sugar is just wrong. Right. And I yeah. can, I can, I can definitively know that like, and, and because I, I, for example, I eat a lot less pasta and breads today than I ever used. Like when I used okay. to, when I was younger, right? I used to always eat, you know, pizza, no problem, whatever. Now, if I have like two slices of pizza, I just feel like crap. Like I feel really bad. So it seems our bodies adjust over time too, right? Would you kind of like don't eat or drink a lot of sugar, then even a little bit of sugar makes you feel like, oh, that's way too sugary, right? Do I, am I right in that? To some extent. Okay. So your body's adjust in some, for the sugar yeah. example, in unfavorable ways. Yeah. Because then you become more insulin resistant. Yeah. Your body needs to produce more insulin to manage your blood sugar from that spike from mm-hmm. eating that sugar. And that is what ultimately creates pathological insulin resistance and turns into, you know, metabolic syndrome and diabetes. Yeah. So it's, not like your body is having a healthy adaptation. It's actually adapting in really unfavorable ways that cause this disease pathology. But to your point, I always found it fascinating when people are like, I used to eat really, really shitty. Now I eat really clean. But when I eat shitty, I feel horrible. Yeah. Whereas before- Did like, I feel horrible before? That's my question. Yeah. Did I always, I just lived horrible and I just, I didn't so, know so, the other. So that's yeah. my thought process because I don't have the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when I hear this and I'm, I've obviously heard it hundreds and hundreds of times over the years. Yep. And it's not like an uncommon phenomenon. Yeah. So it's like, is your body becoming less resilient to unhealthy foods because you're giving it such proper inputs? Maybe. Or maybe your perceived quality of life is completely different now than it used to be. Mm -hmm. And what is feeling good today is different than what was feeling good 
10 or 20 years ago when you were eating all this processed carbohydrate. That could be part of it. could be a combination of both. Yeah. You know, I don't have the answer to that, but it is an interesting thought experiment of it's like, well, did I ever feel good before when I was like eating really poorly and drinking all the time and not sleeping? It's like, I don't know. Because yeah. we don't know what we don't know. And also, I was 20 when I was doing that, yeah. which is very different than 38. Totally. Right? Your, your so, body has a lot more resilience when yeah. you're young. Yeah. yeah. So when I was 20 eating pizza, I probably yeah. like had so much energy because I was 20 that sure. I didn't notice it. So it, if I just, yeah. So yeah, fascinating. Yeah. All right. Ice bath. What's the deal? <laughs> it's the coolest thing you can do is is take an ice bath and post <laughs> it on social media. Coolest thing you can do. Yeah. Get it? <laughs> coolest. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It is, it is a phenomena of social media. Right. I mean, like some people throw a bunch of ice in their uh, chest of, of uh, you know, whatever metal grate and then go throw it on social media Just today. Weirdos. Weirdos, weirdos. Like, yeah. like I'm making fun of Ryan Murdoch here because he did that today. Right. Yeah, that's why I'm so quiet over here because my, my core <laughs> yeah, temperature uh, is only 68 degrees yeah. still right now. I'm frozen to death. Yeah. What's yeah. the, is this a psychological thing or is this a physiological thing or both? Or is this a social media thing? So it's a, a all of the above. Okay. So it definitely has proven impacts on your mindset in terms of helping you to ramp up dopamine. So it's improving your mood. It's improving your mental state. It's helping you in that regard. There's proven physiological benefits to your body in terms of how it reduces inflammation and how it can help create this nervous system resilience. So, and it can also help accelerate fat burning. And there's a whole bunch of other proven benefits that cold exposure can have. So there's a lot of like, this is all grounded in science. And a lot of the people that have been in the health space for a long time have been recommending cold exposure for decades, yeah. not not months that it's been a, f- a fad on social media. So this is like legit stuff. There's legit science. And I think that there's a lot to be said about just the discipline it builds of that kind of mental muscle yeah. where you're just doing something you really don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. And you do it anyways. And you overcome that resistance. That in and of itself, whether it's a cold plunge, exercise, whatever it is. It's very valuable. And so I love cold plunges. I've had a converted chest freezer before it was cool. Back, we're talking like 2018. And I wasn't even that early in the scene because there's been people doing it probably since, you know, pre-2000. And I think it's awesome. Yes, it's become a fad because people love to virtual signal. They love to tell you on social media why they're so much healthier and so much more resilience and have so much more willpower than you do and why you should too. I mean, that's social media. Yeah doesn't defeat the fact that cold exposure is good for you. Yeah. You know, it's good for humans to get cold once in a while and get uncomfortable in general. I love the sauna even more than I love cold exposure. Mm. I think the sauna is the single greatest, the single greatest investment anyone can make into health equipment. Really? Tell me, because I, I go into a sauna every once in a while. I was in one yesterday with Alex and a bunch of other old dudes that were in there. Yeah. Uh, including a bunch of naked ones. And so like I'm in there and I'm just sitting there like, it's hot. I don't feel any different. Yeah. So we were, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes and then we left. Like I don't feel I don't feel any different whatsoever. And that how often do you do it? I mean I did it once. I mean, like I've probably done it ten times in my life, right? Maybe twenty. So if you were to exercise one time and you were like, Ryan, I'm not fit, (laughs) my life has not changed, I don't feel that different other than like I got a little sweaty and now I'm a little sticky and uncomfortable and I'm probably gonna ache tomorrow. Yeah. You wouldn't rule out exercise. Well, sauna, it takes time to really compound the benefits similar to exercise, but man, the amount of research on how it extends your life, it's wild. The It decreases what's referred to as all-cause mortality. So just your chances of dying, period, from any disease, any ailment, by like 68%, it extends your life. And I don't have the exact statistics off the top of my head, but four times per week sauna has been shown to have these incredible life-extending outcomes for yeah. people. 
And I personally, as someone that uses the sauna all the freaking time, think that it's, it makes you just feel out of this world's good. Like I feel so good when I leave the sauna during, I enjoy it as well. And I think a lot of that is you just like sweating out the demons, dude. You just get in there and you just sweat mentally, physically, or just detoxing all sorts of crap that we carry around with us. And having a deep sweat, again, everyone's different. There's people I work with that get into a consistent exercise regimen and they don't feel that good after exercise. They don't have that same endorphin spike, that same mood boost, that same mental clarity and energy boost that most people I'd say get. The majority yeah, I just of people. Afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the majority of people would say, like, yeah, when I work out, I feel better after. Workout aside, results, you know, aside, yeah. I feel better mentally after I work out. It's interesting you say that because there's a small percentage of people that would agree with you. Very small percentage. Well, let's say if I, if I work out like to medium, like it's good, it was fun, I lifted some weights, I feel good. If I like go do jujitsu or if I go and like max out some kind of lift at the gym, or, which I don't go that often, but if I yeah. do, then I just feel so tired and like exhausted. I just want to yeah. sleep for a month. Right. So that, that's, it's maybe it's just, I overdid it. Sure. Right. Like, I think that's, yeah. Yeah. Especially jiu -jitsu, it's very easy to overtrain because yeah. you're just dying. And yep. Somebody's trying to kill but you. But if you do a medium intensity lift for, yep. you know, 20, 30 minutes, yeah. Afterward, do you feel better about yourself or do you object? You, are you saying you feel better? Like, regardless of the, you're proud of yourself and you got something in that yeah. you wanted to do? Yeah. Both. Especially if run, running, I know. So if I go out for a three mile run, I feel great. At, like, I feel that great afterwards. If I go out for an eight mile run, I feel miserable for two days. Right. So this is clearly one is overdoing it. And I like the long runs because I feel proud that I did it. I'm like, oh, I just ran eight miles. But I never feel like I'm just too tired the whole night. I don't want to play with my kids. I don't want to do anything because I'm just my body's just and maybe it's an energy thing. Actually, so I did a, like a half Ironman. And that was the only time I've ever like fueled during a race, like during a run. Normally, I just like go the entire eight, 10, 12 miles without even drinking water. And right? I just oh, do wow. the whole thing, right? Wow. Yeah, so maybe, okay, maybe yeah, we're finding the problem here. It's like an extreme, like but, yeah. zero to a thousand miles an hour yeah. instantly. And then. But the triathlon, I felt great. And afterwards, like yeah. I would have been like, oh, I'm fine. Because I kept having those energy pouches because that's what they took handing out at all the every yeah. miles. So, keep anyway, keep so maybe it's actually an energy management thing throughout be, my workout. Could be. But I think what you shared is reasonable. For most people, if you really kill yourself and you do a couple hours of jujitsu or you go and just deadlift at the gym and you do all these compound lifts and you're there for a long time and you crush yourself, you're going to feel fatigued after. Yeah. And you may not feel as good as you did before the yeah. workout. But for most workouts, people go in feeling one way, they come out feeling better. Yeah. And that increase ranges based on the person. Some people, it's maybe a 5% improvement. Other people might feel two or three times better than they, than they went in. Their mood is better. They just have overall better quality of life from their own subjective metrics. Mm. Sauna is the same kind of thing, except I feel like it intensifies that improvement you feel from exercise. So when I, I think the trifecta that I just think is the bee's knees for mental health and, and physical health, but you just feel so damn good after, is a workout followed by a sauna, cap it off with some cold. Could be a cold shower, could be a jump in you know, your cold pool, do a cold plunge. That trifecta is the greatest thing and just feeling so high in your own supply, mm. like your mood and your outlook and everything is just like, you're revving on all, all cylinders. Like you just feel amazing. And it just also so happens to be fantastic for your physical health. But I think mental health, like depression, anxiety, stress, a lot of these things that people suffer from, like in epidemic numbers, yeah. you know, I think would a ton of it could be alleviated by those three things. And I'll add a fourth one. Some sensible sun exposure. Mm, sensible oh. sun exposure. Sensible sun exposure. What do you mean? Just getting sun? Vitamin D? I mean, but in a sensible like... way. So okay. don't go out to the beach 
if you're fair skinned in the peak summer for four hours sure. and get burnt to a crisp, but then you're like, eh, that wasn't very sensible, was it? Or like Austin right now who's <laughs> sitting in the sun with his legs because he's trying to hold this flap shut. Yeah. Uh, you're a hero, man. American hero. Don't get burned. Yeah. <laughs> so I think those would honestly be the four things. I think they're as important or more so than nutrition when it comes to mental health and just how freaking amazing you feel after, man. Mm. It's spectacular. Yeah, that's one of those things too. Just like we talked about earlier, do I not remember how bad I felt before? Like living in Hawaii for five years now, I'm like, I don't remember what it was like not to be in the sun all yeah. day long because we're just constantly outside. And there's sun hitting me right now as we like in this room, there's direct sunlight hitting me, right? Like, okay, are you like, uh, what's that one like that's gonna, like the lay on your back, get naked, uh, sun your butt. You know, like that thing? What's that? Perineum. Like, yeah, yeah, that thing. That's the thing, right? Like what? I, What's that about? That's, <laughs> that's, that's another... And it's uh, just a weirdo thing. Yeah, mostly social media driven okay, fad yeah. that uh, people thought, hey, I can get some attention. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. If you can get attention, let's do it. Mm. Is there some reasonable backing that sunning your balls specifically is good for you? Absolutely. Okay. And I am one to lay out naked every day. Okay. In my yard, I have a gated, you know, kind of compound. <laughs> in the front yard, all right. <laughs> and, next yeah, to the school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get thank you cards from my neighbors all the time. <laughs> okay, they love it. They love it. And... I do this every day with very few exceptions when I'm home. So two gentlemen here, and for any guys listening to this, a different but similar benefit would happen for women is it's really powerful for balancing your hormones because when the near-infrared light from the sun hits the latex cells in the testes, it upregulates your production of testosterone. Now, is sunning your balls and then being stressed and not sleeping and eating like shit and drinking alcohol going to like ramp up your testosterone like you're on steroids? Of course not. <laughs> but it is going to have a measurable effect yeah. in the right direction. And I think of our bodies like a solar panel. And so the more skin exposure you have, the more benefits you're going to get ultimately with vitamin D synthesis, enhancing your mitochondria, enhancing your overall health. It is just phenomenal, dude. Mm. I mean, people forget that we're solar powered animals. You remove a human from the sun, bad shit happens to your health and to your mental state. We need the sun to thrive. And unfortunately, I mean, I'm super passionate about this because of the brainwashing and, and misinformation that's been spread by like the dermatology industry and like a lot of just mainstream media outlets telling people to fear the sun, that it causes yeah. skin cancer, that you shouldn't go outside without slathering 6,000 SPF all over your face and body and then wearing a mask and a hat and sunglasses. And yeah. it's like, dude, this is such a disservice to the mental and physical health of our society. So where is the line on that for you? Because you said sensible, right? So you don't want to go out and cook in the sun right. and turn into a lobster. So where, where's that line between? Because yeah. I saw you put sunscreen on earlier today, I think on the hike, right? That's like right. Halfway, halfway through it. So there is a point to which you... A couple topics to unpack there. You don't want to get sunburned. It's the main premise, right? Because okay. burns are bad for your skin. Okay. Whether it's from the sun, the stovetop, hot water, you don't want to constantly burn your skin because that is oxidative damage. So how much time is a tough question to answer because it depends on your skin you know some people are more fair skin some people are dark skin depends on your proximity to the equator because that'll determine the intensity of the sun depends on the time which of is why the year. people get burned all the time tourists come here to hawaii yeah. and they get like burned in, all in the san time. diego i this time of year it's, yeah. you know like tail end of winter i could be out for three four hours and not get sunburned yeah. even if it's a sunny day granted i've built you know solar callus so i'm yeah. used to the sun and i take nutrients that help enhance my skin's resilience to the sun it does depend on those factors. So as a general rule of thumb, Ryan, I generally recommend people go out for, if it's midday, like peak solar noon, no more than 10 or 15 minutes. But during that 10 or 15 minutes, you want you know, max sun exposure. So take off your shirt, wear swim trunks or whatever, lay out maybe on your back for 10 minutes, flip over on your stomach, lay out for another 10 minutes. 
golden. So the backstop is don't don't let yourself burn. Don't let yourself burn. You'll kind of see blood pooling to the skin and starting to turn just a little bit pink when you're starting to burn. And so you can monitor that. And then the other components of this question is like the sunscreen topic. You have two types of sunscreen. You have chemical sunscreen and you have mineral sunscreen. Chemical sunscreen is what's mass produced and sold and most people use and it's horrendous and Killing thank god and like that. they they don't allow it in maui because yeah. it's it's not only terrible for our ecosystem it's horrible for your body and i think if you look at the rates of of skin cancer and sunscreen usage they go up right in line with really each other interesting. yeah now there is mineral sunscreen where you can just get a natural zinc oxide and i'll use that if i'm out hiking or out surfing and I'm not able to wear a hat for whatever reason, I'll just put a little on my nose, a little on my forehead, because those are the areas that can tend to be more prone to sun damage for me and for most people. And the skin on your face is also more sensitive than the skin on your body. It's a little bit thinner. And you also, you know, most people fear the sun also because they don't want accelerated aging of their skin. They don't want to get wrinkles. And it is true that if you're laying out in the sun all day, you're going to accelerate the aging of your skin. So you want to do this smart and then I think the biggest thing people should take away from this is don't feel like this chemical sunscreen protects you from sun damage. Because I see a lot of people that spray this super toxic sunscreen all over them. Then they're like, oh, I just go out to the beach for four hours like Ryan said not to because I got sunscreen on me. Not the case. You're still getting that radiation from the UVB and UVA rays. You're still getting damage to the skin, even if you're not burning because of the, the chemicals you put on. And it's not a good strategy for aging gracefully and having healthy skin, not to mention your health. And sunscreen blocks all the benefits we get from the sun. So if you layer on sunscreen, even the mineral sunscreen, you're not gonna synthesize vitamin D. You're not gonna get a lot of the benefits I'm talking about. So what I recommend people do is go out, get as much sun as you can without burning. Maybe that's five minutes, maybe that's 45 minutes, depending on the person, depending on the time of year. And then put on a hat, put on a long sleeve shirt, cover up. Like you don't wanna just then lather on sunscreen and stay out for four more hours. If you do that a couple times a year and you wear some sunscreen because you're out snorkeling or whatever, you don't want to wear a rash guard or whatever it is, okay. But for most of us, it's like you're better off putting a little sunscreen on your face if you're surfing. So that's one that I I surf a lot. So it's like, yeah, good luck wearing a hat. And like, you know, but I could still put on like a rash guard. I could still cover up most of my body. And uh, that's going to really maximize the benefits while, while minimizing the downsides. Yeah. Interesting. A little PSA also. There's uh, expiration dates on sunscreen. <laughs> when I was in like fifth grade, we went to a wave pool for the day. And this is before mineral, but it was chemical. But anyway, we all put on sunscreen and then like all 12 boys, like all my friends, we all got like third degree burns of our whole body. <laughs> like it was the most miserable I've ever been in my entire life. I mean, it oh, was wow. just, just flaking skin. I mean, we, we were all there like nine hours in like Jeez. 110 degree heat. Just, we all died. I mean, it was the worst thing ever. Check the dates. On yeah. It was like two years expired. So check the dates on your sunscreen oh, wow. if you could use it. All right, so we got sun exposure. That's awesome. We got cold plunge, maybe. How do you feel, by the way, Ryan? Going back to that real quick. How do you feel now? Having cold plunge, what, two hours ago? Yeah, no, th- this is funny because even up to up until like four or five days ago, I was making fun of yes. cold plunging people. That's why I was like, so I'm, shocked I'm, when I went back never to gonna do this. turn my this pool on. And <laughs> I, I hate the yeah. cold. Like <laughs> there is no way in hell you're ever going to see me cold plunging. And here I am today in a bucket of ice water. I will say it's not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. I hate even taking a cold shower. Like I'll flip the the valve from hot to cold, even here in Hawaii where the water's not that cold. And I hate it. Like I'm not doing this. Like, no, 
I didn't get quite enough ice today. I think my water temp was only 54 degrees, which is the optimal temp. You want like low 40s or something, right? Yeah. I don't know if there's a specific optimal temp, but for a proper cold plunge, typically you want it sub 45. Okay. Yeah. So I I didn't buy enough ice. I'll do it better maybe tomorrow. But yeah, it wasn't bad. I jumped in 54 degrees and I stayed in there for like 20 minutes and and was was really okay. So ask me again after I do it in the the low 40s, but I think it's going to be not nearly as miserable as I had thought it was going to be. Got out, took a hot shower after that and, you know, feel, feel pretty good. Nice. I found that when I, so I've only done it one time. I went to this place in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and it's like a cold plunge sauna place. So they have the cold plunge there. They have a sauna. I think it was like 25 bucks for an hour to hang out there. So I went in there, did the sauna. Then I went and did the cold plunge. I was so terrified, right? Because I've done cold showers and I've done yeah. cold showers fairly often because everyone says it's good. So I did it for a while, do it on and off. Anyway, and I hate yeah, it. They're awful. They're awful. I hate it. And I was like, this is going to be so much worse. But yeah, I got in and I was like, oh, I mean, it's weird. It's cold. It's not yeah. not cold, but it was. I would do that anytime over a cold shower, which is yeah. weird. I don't know. I no, don't know it's why. it is different once you're fully submerged yeah. in the in the cold water. But to both your guys' point, I have people sometimes ask me, like, whether they're patients I work with or yeah. just other people that follow me online, and they'll say, Ryan, I hate cold plunges. Do I have to do it? Like, can I not do the cold plunge? I'm like, yes, you cannot do the cold plunge. You do not need to do a cold plunge to yeah. be healthy. Like there are so many other things you should be focusing your time and energy on. And we all only have so much, call it bandwidth, energy, capacity, you know, to dedicate to things that are hard in our lives. And if you're diverting a huge percentage of that just for the cold plunge, because it's so incredibly difficult for you, it's probably something you should not bother with. Mm -hmm. Like focus that energy on exercise and optimizing your nutrition and your relationships and your work and your business and your family and all the other things that are more important than getting in a cold bucket of water for three minutes. Yeah. I think for me, it was the, just like, I want to follow your program. Right. I mean, that's why I, that's why I signed up with you to begin with is I didn't want to do the research. I've done research before and figured out workout exercises and, and figured out diets and, and always fallen off the wagon. And this time around was like, you know what? I don't want to have to do the research for this. Cause I think what I end up doing is just picking and choosing parts of different programs and you kind of cobble something together and I, I don't stick with it. So when I talked to you the first time, I'm like, look, I just want to, pay you to give me a list of instructions on what I need to do. Like, I want to learn about this, but not, I don't want to do the research. I want to learn about this as I'm doing it. So I want you to tell me how to work out, how to eat, what do I need to do to be healthy? So I don't have to think about that part of it. I just have to do it. And so far the results have been amazing. So to get in a cold plunge, I was dreading this day. Uh, I knew it was coming, but here it was today and it really wasn't as bad, but it was the dedication to like, I just want to go all in and and, and do all this stuff. And for this specific instance, you had a particular situation where we went on a hike this morning and you're like, dude, after hikes like this, my knees don't love me the next day. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of brutal. So that was why I was like, give this a try. Do a proper cold plunge. You don't even have to do your upper body just from the waist down to really bring down the inflammatory load on the joints and see if it's noticeably better tomorrow. Because if you're like, dude, it was not a big difference. Like my knees still freaking hurt. I'm probably not going to have you continue doing cold plunges. It's just not worth the time and effort and, and hassle. And you don't enjoy it. So it's not that going to be that sustainable for you. But in this specific instance, it's like there are certain things that you can have a targeted prioritization of because of what you're looking to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, you mentioned earlier the chest freezer. Yeah. Like, how does that work? How does that filter the water? How do you keep yeah. it clean? Like, how does yeah, that work? It doesn't have a filter. Okay, yeah. So like I use colloidal silver, which I can I explain what that, that is. is. It's, yeah. it, it's kind of more common in natural health circles, but it's a, it's a very powerful natural antimicrobial okay. and you could use it topically you could use it internally it's it's really miraculous stuff that's kind of been hush hush by uh powers to be that don't want you to know about all these natural <laughs> alternatives so i use colloidal silver 
a lot of people use hydrogen peroxide. And that'll just water, like pour it in the water. Yeah, pour it in the water. That'll just help disinfect. And then you just want to drain it every few weeks. Okay. Because it's still going to get murky and kind of gross, especially yeah. if you have a lot of people going in there. But that'll help keep it kind of the bacteria and gross kind of at bay for a couple weeks. And then you just drain it and refill it and do it again. Okay. Even the proper cold plunges that do have a full-blown filtration system, yeah. you still need to drain those every so often. Like yeah. maybe not every couple weeks. It might be every month or every six weeks or whatever it is, but the water does get kind of stale and gross after a while. Sure. And it's not a huge volume of water that you're wasting. And because I was just using Quoto Silver, I would just use it to water my garden and mm. my plants and my yard and whatever else around to kind of just give them some water. And then as far as the uh, legit cold plunges, some of them use ozone, which I love ozone. Ozone is uh, O3 instead of oxygen being O2. Okay. And it's a very powerful, again, antimicrobial oxidative therapy. A lot of people use medical ozone for healing a number of different ailments. And it's one of those other therapies that almost no one's heard of. When you hear ozone, you think like the ozone layer, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Ah, something with the atmosphere. I don't think it's good for us. Yeah, that we don't want ozone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. my first thought. Yeah. Well, it turns out when used appropriately, ozone is freaking a miracle molecule. Yeah. It's fantastic, which would be a, a too deep of a rabbit hole for us to go down today, I think, because it's like a whole nother conversation, but I love ozone. So All people right. use that too for cleaning the water. All right, well, let's shift gears here. Again, we could probably deal with 10,000 topics of health that you're going to know a lot about. I want to go to begin wrapping things up, but let's start with this. Three books that have made a big impact on your life, maybe the mm. biggest impact on your life. Mm. Say the first one is my favorite business book of all time called The Road Less Stupid, Keith mm. Cunningham. I have that at my house, yeah. You read it? I haven't read it yet. Oh it's my gosh, my it is phenomenal. I, there's not another book I've ever read that has as much value and actionable advice as that book in like 300 pages. Wow. It's, you know, I feel like a lot of business books and personal development books take 300 pages to yeah. say what could be said in 30 pages yeah. or less. This book took what should have been like 500 pages and made it even better and put it into 300 pages That's where cool. it's just tons of value. And every chapter, one of the things I took away from it that I apply to a lot of other aspects of my life is this guy, Keith Cunningham, talks about this concept of thinking time. Mm, yeah. and how humans are always just trying to do, do, do. And we have this conceived notion that if we just sit around and think, it's a waste of time, right? By taking the time to think through what actions you're going to take and actually make much more deliberate choices, it's the most valuable thing we could be spending our time with. Agreed. It's incredibly powerful. And so he has every chapter, it's a different like topic, and this is business oriented, but at the end of it, he has these thinking time prompts. And this whole thing is like, take a journal, shut everything down, your computer, your phone, and sit and think and journal on these things for 30 minutes and really put a bunch of thoughts and these prompts that he gives you are yeah. phenomenal for anyone who's an entrepreneur, anyone that's looking to enhance their business. Like this is the greatest book I've ever read. Cool. I love it. So that's one. There, uh, the thinking time thing. Uh, one, one thing I say all the time to people is the most profitable time of my entire week. The time I make the most money is my massage time. So I hire a masseuse to come to my house and because I am so not, what's the phrase? I'm so not like good at doing things. Like I, like if I, I set a goal, like I'm going to go out and go to the gym early. I won't do it. I will lie to myself. I'll disappoint myself all the time unless I'm obligated to somebody else. So if I tell Ryan, I'm going to go snorkel or paddleboard with him. Like yesterday, he's like, Hey, you want to go paddleboard? Yeah, that sounds fun. Then I'll go do it. Cause I'll obligate him. So when I obligate myself to thinking time, which is the massage time, I actually spend an hour and a half. I do not even increase it from 60 to 90. Cause I'm like, I want 90 minutes to think. And what I found almost every time is the first 30 minutes, my brain just going scattered to a million things that don't really matter. Like, I'm hungry. What am I going to have for dinner tonight? You know, what about that email I didn't send? 
But then about an hour in is where like my thoughts just kind of convalesce, if that's the right word, onto like one thing. And then I just, the next half hour, like is the most profitable time of my entire week. And that's when I solve most big issues in my life or I come up with good ideas. So I recommend it to entrepreneurs all the time. I love that. Just force yourself if you have to, if you're not good enough with, you know, self-control or you want to call that, find another way to force yourself in the thinking time, like schedule a weekly massage. Cost me a thousand bucks a month. It is the best thousand dollars I spend every month. That's incredible. Yeah, that's, you do you find though that, are you able to take notes during this massage? So that that's the biggest problem. So what I do is I actually leave my phone where my face is down below, you know, so I can look at it. Uh, and then I will do voice memos yes. right then, or I'll just like type in a keyword. So I'll remember because in the beginning, I, yeah, I couldn't take good notes. Yep. That's the biggest problem is I want to. And, and that's the problem stuff. I have with like these float tanks and yeah, like yeah. all these things that are designed for like just yep. meditative thinking time is I'll come up with a great idea. Then I spend the rest of the time trying not to forget that idea yes. and it totally like exactly, distracts yeah. from my, my yep. thought flow. You got to dump it into something. You got to dump it into something. Otherwise it's hard to recapture yeah. hours later when yeah. you're like on to other things. So yeah, 100%. I love that. And I feel the same way. Like I'll spend a lot of time each week out paddleboarding, out mountain biking, out doing like active stuff. Yeah. But it's some of the most productive time of my week 100%. because I'm one doing some thinking time, which is critical, but other sessions I'll be learning. I'll be listening to audiobooks and podcasts at, you know, 2.5x and I'll be yeah. like gathering a lot of information that's very important to like guide my recommendations, yeah. my decisions, what I'm going to be doing. It's like learning time and thinking time, I think are two underrated things for literally everyone. And so that book's everyone got to read it. All right, number 1, that book. Uh number 2, I really like a book by uh, Napoleon Hill called Outwitting the Devil. Mm. Yeah. Everyone knows too. him for Thinking Grow Rich. Yep. Uh, outwitting the devil's fantastic it, dude this guy was so ahead of his time like a lot of the things he have you read it yeah so a lot of yeah, things he right. talks about in that book are like you know this was what over 100 years ago are things that are so applicable today it's like the education system and the food and a whole bunch of different industries that i didn't get the impression they were like that 100 yeah. years ago but he was like forecasting almost what it was gonna be like and he just nailed it and the audiobook's really cool because they have these different narrators because oh, it's cool. like the whole book is like an interview with him and the devil and essentially he's like kind of going through all these different prompts and the devil's telling him how you know he brainwashes humans and i found it fascinating so i like that book a lot third book man it's it's a toss-up after those but i really like 100 million dollar offers oh man. Yeah, yeah, just because of the way he distills a lot of the principles yeah. that people have written entire books on, and he'll take like a chapter and explain it better than these people have yeah. written like 300 pages on it. So I like his teaching style. And his other book I like as much or more that most people haven't heard of called Gym Launch Secrets. Mm. And I'm not in the gym industry, but it applies to virtually any service business, online or brick and mortar, of just how to craft your offer, how to generate leads, how to sell, how to overcome objections, how to handle fulfillment, how to grow, how to do all these things that I think are just fundamental practices, no matter what industry you're in, what business you're in, it applies to you. And that book is really, really good. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a new one coming out too that he's working on. I don't yep. know when it's coming out, but it's soonish. Like I think. part of this six yeah. volume series. Yeah. I started... It's funny, I started listening and learning from Hermosi like years ago yeah. before he like took off and became this like mega star on like YouTube and social media back when he was just screw social media. I'm going to run my businesses and I'm going to pay for leads and do a lot of paid media and I'm not going to mess around or waste my time with this stuff. But back then he was still like had a vlog and still like put stuff out and I would I was loving it. And I was always like, how does this guy not like bigger than Grant Cardone, like yeah. bigger than all these big shot names that are like sending out good stuff, like putting yeah. out good content, but like nowhere near this guy's level yeah. of execution and conciseness and his ability to convey these concepts really practically. 
and then sure enough time caught up yeah. and now he's just That's like huge, yeah. on a yeah on a trajectory upward so yeah we're in talk to those people right now and get them on the podcast so it's gonna oh, happen fantastic yeah cool all right three great books now last question for you and maybe you don't have this off the top of your head but do you have any favorite quotes or a quote that has changed your life or that guides your life one quote i come back to a lot in the health space is someone with their health has a thousand dreams someone without it has only one mm. And it really rings true because as I said at the very beginning, when you don't have your health, like nothing else really matters. It's the only thing that is, like really controls all of the other things. And so I always come back to that quote because it's like when we're dealing with all these things and challenges, stressors, obligations, it's like, well, if you have your health, you're alive and well, like you're fortunate to have these problems because like these would not be problems for you if you didn't have your health and you were just laying up in a hospital bed and trying to survive. So I like that quote. And another one that kind of holds to the same kind of concept is, I don't know who said it, Confucius or someone else, but like, we all have two lives. And the second one begins when you realize you only have one. Yeah. And a lot of people have like a health scare or something that happens to them, a diagnosis. And that's when their second life begins. And they realize like, wow, I, I really got to start living, yes, dude. Like, I'm not appreciating this time and this human experience like I should be. Like, this is a gift. And I never know when it's going to end, when this ride's going to stop. And so those are two I, I like off the top of my head. I love it, man. Well, where can people find out more about you and get connected? RyanKennedyHealth.com. It's a website, social media, YouTube, Instagram is Ryan C. Kennedy. And then, uh, yeah, it's, about, it's the best place to go. All right, man. Well, thank you for joining us in the Sea Shed today. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to learn more about you and uh, follow you. So thanks. Appreciate it, man. All right, guys. Thank you very much. This was awesome. Thanks for letting me sit in. Appreciate it. Thank you. And that is the show. Thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of A Better Life with Brandon Turner. I hope you enjoyed the insights and the wisdom uh, brought to you today on the show. If you found value in this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, your feedback actually does help us improve the show. We look at the feedback, I look at the feedback, and we can reach more people with our message of living a better life. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow me on social, Beardy Brandon. And hey, before I go, this show is all about the habits, actions, and beliefs that can give you a better life. But in case you're interested and you want to know my opinion on what it takes to live the best life ever, and that includes some of my kind of weird spiritual beliefs maybe, check out abetterlife.com slash bestlife. Abetterlife.com slash bestlife. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next time on A Better Life with Brandon Turner.